never reach me Were some guys who were preacher fans The only dudes who could ever teach me Were some guys who were preacher fans Yes, they were They were Oh, yes, they were That's a podcast theme right there Welcome to Preacher Man, a podcast about AMC's Preacher. I'm Alex. I am Pete. And we are going to be talking about Messiah's, the latest episode of Preacher. We are here to save the world, Pete. Are you ready? What? Uh, sure. Yeah, let's do it. We're the Messiahs. We're the Messiahs uh, in the title. Uh, that's, yeah. a, that's a big statement to make, man. I don't know if I feel comfortable with that. You just coming out and saying we're Messiahs. Hey, man, you got to save the world. You're going to do it. I believe in you wholeheartedly. <laughs> save the world, Pete. Go do it now and go. No? Right. Well, I got to go. I got to go and save the <laughs> you world. You got to go save the world. Uh, well, I got to go recap everything that's happened in Preacher thus far. And I'll start right at the end here. Jesse Custer, who is the bearer of a being called Genesis that can compel other people to do his will, died. At the end of the last episode, he fell from an airplane to the Australian outback, crashed into the ground, did not splat. He didn't splat. That's important to note. Uh, But he did die. He left behind Tulip, his on-again, off-again girlfriend, who was driving... stop saying that. She's his girlfriend. I got to tell you, with him being dead, it's very much (laughs) off-again. It's only... She was dead, too. It's temporary. Uh, Yeah. All right. That's fair. Uh, So Tulip was driving the plane. His friend Cassidy tried to save him. But Cassidy, unfortunately, is a vampire, and his arm caught on fire, uh, and he was forced to let Jesse go, and that's how Jesse died. Meanwhile, this is all part of God's plan and not some sort of, like, religious God's plan, but literal God's plan. He has something that he's been working towards. We find out a lot more about that this episode, but Jesse has been part of that somehow. Uh, All along, Jesse has been manipulated and pushed by God. God has been working on something in the background, mostly using the Grail, an organization that is working to bring about the apocalypse, specifically with a war between Australia and New Zealand, as we always knew it would go down. But they amped up uh, hostilities quite a bit last episode when they blew up a nuclear bomb at a place called the Lost Apostle, a monument in the Australian outback. Again, working with the Grail, he was previously working with a guy named Hare Star, who was leader of the Grail, but Hare Star betrayed God quite a bit, so God repaid him by having a dingo eat his junk. Right. Pretty pretty bad. Would you yeah. want a dingo to eat your junk, Pete? Uh, I think that's an obvious no. And, you know, it's, you know, God, you know, you gotta, if he asks you to do something, you got to take care of business. If that business is getting your junk eaten by a dinko, would you do you take care of that, Pete? What? No. What are you talking about? God asked him to get his, you know, his disciple, his what is it? His bloodline. It's very far down, but Humperdo, and he said he would, and he lied to him. So you get your dingo, you get your junk ripped off by a dingo if you disobey. I think well, that's fair. All I'm saying, though, is that his business is sending dingoes to eat people's junk, and business is good. (laughs) 
So anyway, he ate his junk. Meanwhile, other stuff in the growl that you should probably know about. Hairstar had an assistant named Hoover 2, who was super efficient. There's also Featherstone, who has been hiding out as a barista. Uh, we totally missed that last episode, but multiple people pointed this out to us immediately online. Featherstone's they knew wearing it a from that? Beard. Yeah, they knew it from that. Oh, that's impressive. I did, it is. At the beginning of this episode, I figured it out, but I, yeah, I didn't put it together then. That's impressive. Yeah, we completely missed it, so I will call us on that, and we are going to retire as Sons of Preacher fans as of this episode, so we are why, completely well, why done. Why don't we wait in three more episodes and then we're <laughs> Three done. more episodes? Yeah. You want to finish it off, Pete? Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, okay. Before okay, we I hang it we up, let's get three more in. You know? <laughs> All right. Uh, so meanwhile, also over the Grail's home base of Masada, there are negotiations going on about the apocalypse on the side of heaven. Is a representative named Jesus Christ. You know him. You love him. <laughs> on the other side, uh, representing hell, is Adolf Hitler. You know him. You hate him. However, yeah. Hitler is... Not necessarily smarter than Jesus, but he's a little savvier than Jesus. And he's figured out that Humperdew, who's the descendant of Jesus, has actually escaped. And in fact, as we know, Jesse Custer let hundreds of clones of Humperdew go last season. They're running all over the earth. And so the Grail is completely missing who is supposed to be the Messiah. Uh, What else do you need to know? I guess you could probably know about the Saint of Killers who is a immortal killer who is trying to not kill Jesse, but use Jesse to kill God. Uh, and he was thwarted last episode. Probably a couple of other things we can mention as we go along, but I, I think that gets, well, gets I mean, you up to speed. We don't get a lot of them, but we get a little bit of hair star in there. Yeah, I mentioned him. We had a whole conversation about dingoes eating people's junk. Right, but I mean, you you didn't get into what he looks like and you know that kind of stuff. But all right. It doesn't I guess matter. The main thing is that a dingo ate his junk. <laughs> All right. That's, I'm just saying, Pete, that's the sort of thing that defines you, right? Uh, like well, I mean, million... your head looking like a giant penis also defines you a little bit. I It it defines you up until the dingo eats your junk. <laughs> All right. And that's fair. That's fair. Past that point, you're that guy. <laughs> So let's jump into the episode. We kick off with confirmation that Jesse is, in fact, dead. In case you thought that maybe he did survive that fall from the plane, Cassidy and Tulip are burying Jesse as the saint watches on Pete. How'd you feel about this? Were you holding out hope that maybe Jesse was alive? Yeah, definitely. And then what's great is we (laughs) didn't have to spend too much time. Then you see Jesse, you know, fishing with a kid. Right. Some kid. Now, who do you think that kid was? I have a suspicion, but I'm curious to hear your guess. I think it was purposely just some kid. I think that was a funny joke of it. Oh, really? I kind of thought it was supposed to be, or the implication was maybe it was Jesse and Tulip's child. Oh, that was definitely the implication, but, you know, when What's-His-Face is like, oh, no, no, that's just some kid you're teaching on a fish. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, that's what Jesse's made to think when he starts, you know. Sure. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. And that's consistent with the show, which is kind of like, yeah, whatever. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So who actually enters is the Angel Fiore, who we haven't seen in a good long while because he died a bunch of times and then died for real. Uh, He explains that Jesse is dead. They have a lovely walk through heaven. Um, I was pretty impressed, actually, with how they shot this. Uh, that they did seem to have either them or extras walking through all of these places versus yeah. 
the running joke that they have with the stock footage of Australia. I thought that was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was nice. Yes. Uh, great. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> then he uh, gets to heaven and Fury presents a throne to him and says, well, now we need you to do the thing that we need you to do. Yeah. Uh, and he says, what do you need me to do? And this is my favorite line of the episode. Uh, over the course of it, he explained that Jesus and Hitler are negotiating about the yeah. apocalypse. Uh, and Jesse says, you told me Jesus was no Hitler. Good to know. <laughs> Which yeah. I was like, yeah, I, I, that is good to know, I guess. Uh, what, but it, oh, what were you going to say, Pete? But what's so funny is like one of my favorite lines was just before that. Like they do this whole thing. He walks into the throne room and he's like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> like what's going on? It was such a funny moment. Well, it turns out that the throne is God's throne. He's, he abdicated back at the beginning of season one, as we get to see a bunch more about this episode. Uh, but they want Jesse to be God. Yeah, uh, take which God's is kinda, place. Kind of crazy. Uh, there's two big things going on here this episode. Um, Jesse, re- uh, we'll get to some of the more specific scenes, but over the course of the episode, Jesse rejects taking the place of God several times. Mm-hmm. He said it wouldn't be respectful. Why do you think Jesse is still holding on to his faith in God, despite everything that has gone on over the course of this show? I think it's one of those things where Jesse, as a character, will do bad things if he believes there's some good in it, and he struggles with that. And I think that, like, he knows that, like, he wants a straight answer, and he thinks that's fair, but he doesn't think that, like, doing these things is right because of the things that he's done. Yeah. Uh, now, we go back to Tulip and Cassidy. They're driving around. We get a sad, quiet montage with them. There's nothing yeah. on the radio but static. And that, I thought that was a really funny moment where it's like, man, it got really weird when it got quiet between them. So she turned on the static. It was hilarious. Was it hilarious? I thought it was supposed to be sad and uncomfortable the whole time. Right, but it was just funny that, like, in that awkward moment, just nothing is more awkward than that radio, like, noise. I thought that was kind of a fun way to kind of point that out. Well, not so much fun is Tulip finally reads Jesse's letter, the letter that he left for her back at the beginning of the season when he went on a search for God. She cries, and though we don't get to see it, they clearly make a decision as to what they are going to do next. They stop at a house where Cassidy asks a man for his chickens, but really just eats the man. Whoa, 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 back up, back up. You don't know. He just said chickens. He, ate he said, I'm here to eat your chickens, which is a funny line. And for all we know, he just ate chickens. So what we get over the course of this episode from Tulip and Cassidy, at least the way I read it, is they are both taking huge slips backwards without Jesse. Certainly. Yeah, because the there's no gloves. The, the gloves are off. The gloves are literally off. Uh, but Tulip is killing people. She burns the church and breaks the church, trying to get God's attention. But she's really just acting out in the old way that she used to act out. Cassidy, I think, eats this guy. He falls back on bad habits, and his bad habit is being a killer vampire. You don't think so? No, because he could have killed him when he did, and uh, he just said... And also in the church, he could have killed people later on, but he was just like, I'm here for the chickens. 
I think you mean synagogue, but we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Have you ever had chicken, Pete? Have you ever had a chicken dish of any sort? Yeah, I've had a, a lot of chicken. Yeah? Okay. How much blood, human blood, usually does the chicken that you eat have in it? Well, first off, he probably ate a lot of chicken and got a sure. lot of blood on himself. Not the question that I asked you. Chicken, chicken blood is different color than human blood? Is that what you're saying? All I'm saying is when you bite into a, like, a nice big chicken sandwich, are you mm-hmm. completely slathered from head to toe in blood after you're done with that? Is that, no. is that a thing no, that happens Barbecue to you? sauce, yes, but not blood. Sure. No. Well, I'll tell you what. Cassidy in that scene, not covered in barbecue sauce. I, I don't think he was having a delicious chicken sandwich. I think he was having a delicious human sandwich. Oh, man. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. I'm uh, holding so out I, hope that Jesse or Cassie's better in the TV show than he is in the comic. Well, I don't think he is. We'll get to that, though. Uh, so everyone gets coffee from Featherstone in disguise. We find out a little more about Featherstone. But one thing that isn't resolved this episode, it seems pretty specific that she keeps making coffee for everybody. What do you think's going on with that? Is there some secret there that's waiting to be revealed or is it uh, just she's making coffee? I think it's just funny that she's, uh, you know, because she, you think about coffee is the hub. It's the watering hole. So she gets all the gossip. She knows all the information, everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. Plus, I think it's funny to see coffee cup with Hitler and Jesus on it. Yeah. Uh, and maybe she also used it. I didn't quite pick up on this, but maybe she used it to get Hoover 2's real name and find out what was going on with him. Oh, yeah. Perhaps. I don't know. I'll throw that out there. Uh, Then we get to see a dingo running away with Hairstar's dick. That's fun. (laughs) He's crawling after it. Oh, man, that was tough. Yeah. And then we get another scene of a morning show host in America freaking out, reacting to what's been going on in Australia. I think this is mostly to give us a sense of what's going on in the outside world, how they're reacting to this and how we're inching closer to the apocalypse. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so meanwhile, Jesse, he touches the throne. He says, no, as we mentioned earlier, and wait, then wait, we, I just want I'm yes, sorry. We just want to back up. Uh, I, I don't think it was an American news show. I think it was an Australian news show that was, or no, no, no. It, it was an American morning show. I thought they had accents. No, no. It was like good morning America or something like that. That All was right. the name of the show. If I'm wrong. May God strike me down. Oh, dude, don't say things like that. May God strike me down. Oh, that's not good. Uh, Well, anyway, then we get to the most problematic part of the episode, which is the whole scenes with Cassie and Tulip hanging out with the Jews. I'll reveal some of my concerns with that in a second because we're not quite there. Uh, But they head to Williamsburg to an Orthodox community, and they visit a Orthodox lady there who Tulip knew from back in the day. Uh, She... Yes, please. I I would like to point, point out that when you got the fun Williamsburg title card... And then you got to see just a guy skateboarding, happy music, really mm-hmm. painted Williamsburg in a nice, uh, nice light there. It's funny to me because it's not necessarily wrong. There are Orthodox communities all over Brooklyn in particular and all over yeah. New York City. Um, I don't associate Williamsburg necessarily with the Orthodox community, even though I know there is a community near there. I guess it's because there's one like just past Prospect Park 
mm-hmm. past where I live, uh, up on Eastern Parkway, there's a big one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think of them there. Williamsburg, I think of more as like hipster enclave. Right. But also, I think right outside, like you're talking about, there is a big area. Totally. I don't think they're going to that. That's not the part where they got their facts wrong. We'll get to where they got their facts wrong in a moment. Uh, so they visit this Orthodox lady. Uh, the lady wants Tulip to do something that she's been asking her to do for years. Yeah. Uh, they go into a deli together. They're mm-hmm. sitting, eating some fries, and then Tulip stands up and just murders a man in cold well, blood. Well, hold on. You're fast forwarding through a lot of great stuff here. Cassie is having this realization of like how great New York City is. He's like, man, I don't know why I've ever left this city. Yeah. The food is great. The bars are open. This is a great town. And you kind of think they're having a nice moment. And then he says to her, hey, the gloves are off. It's time to get dirty. And she just stands up It just pops a guy twice and walks out. That was amazing. Now, we haven't, remind me, we haven't gotten the flashback to Cassidy in New York City that happens in the comic yet, right? Nope. Yeah, I'm I'm curious if we're going to see that before the end, given how few episodes there are. I thought we would get a touch of that this episode because they're back in New York, but I guess not. It was also interesting that he was kind of wanting someone to be dead and hoping somebody wasn't still alive. That kind of hinted at stuff a little bit, I thought. Yeah. Uh, so Tulip kills the man in the deli. Uh, then we cut back to Masada. Uh, Jesus is hanging out with Humperdew. Hitler yeah. tries to make this Humperdew dance, but reveals that Humperdew is actually gone, shoots that Humperdew, and he wants Jesus to be the new Messiah. Now, yeah. this is something that we talked about, I think, on the very last episode of this podcast, that this isn't from the comics. And it's weird that they have both the actual Jesus Christ who is still hanging around, but also this descendant of Jesus Christ called Humperdew, mm-hmm. who is supposed to be the Messiah. So this seems like a smart way of going, right? Yeah, I think so. It's a it's a good kind of swerve away from what we're used to and kind of got us in new territory here. Yeah, I'm also curious what direction they're going with at this point, where they're going to end up, since we have so few episodes at this point, with Hitler, with Jesus, what the goal of the apocalypse is, where this series is going to end up compared to where the comics end up, because it's already vastly different, clearly. Yeah. I would like to say, though, the actor who's playing the Humper Deuce is killing it. That's uh, Tyson Ritter from All-American Rejects, I think is, is what we said. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, he's great. Uh, he's doing a great job as Jesus. He's doing a great job as Humperdue. He should be yeah. able to uh, Humperdue what he does for years to come. <laughs> so uh, the woman, the Hasidic woman, back with her, brings mm. up... Uh, that she can't bring Tulip to the man she wants to see. She can't believe that Tulip actually killed her husband after years of her asking Tulip to do it. So Tulip beats the shit out of her. (laughs) Yeah, she does. That was very fun. That was enjoyable. Uh, It's enjoyable, but it's also, I think, hard to watch because this is the way that Ruth Nega plays these scenes. It's fun to watch Tulip kick the shit out of somebody, but she's clearly doing it out of desperation and sadness more than anything else. Yeah, because she's what what's, you know, just showing how far she's gone and how far she's willing to go for Jesse. And uh, yeah, it's both painful and amazing to watch at the same time 
and especially the way she's playing it. But I mean, what the you know that lady doesn't know is what you know how far off the deep end Tulip is. So like trying to set up a boundary in front of Tulip is going to get you punched in the face at this point. Yeah. So um, then back with Jesse, he's having a long conversation with Fiore, the angel. uh, And he eventually he's sort of figuring something out as they're talking. He doesn't understand why he's in heaven when all of his friends went to hell. And he realizes, oh, that's because I'm not in heaven. I actually (laughs) am in hell. And then it switches to the hell that we know from the show that we've seen previously, where it's a bunch of cells with like holographic projectors. And that's what he's been seeing the entire time. Um, I thought this was a great twist. I was very into this. Yeah, me too. Also explains why he was, you know, getting away with smoking in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we do find out another twist on it by the end of the episode, which we'll get to in a moment. Uh, But then let's get to the, as I heavily teased, most problematic part of this episode for me, a Jew. Uh, I know this is a very weird thing to pick on, but after the woman is convinced by Tulip and Cassidy to bring them to the man they want to see, which, spoiler, turns out to be the actual real Humperdue, they walk straight through a Hasidic temple that is in the middle of a service. Right. And the problem with this is that in most, if not all, Orthodox communities, temples are separated between the men and the women, and the women are not allowed on the men's side, particularly during prayer. And wow. I know and I know they were doing it just to establish that uh Minion that is praying for later on so that Humperdue can fight them, so that Cassidy can fight them. But the fact that she was just casually strolling through there was inaccurate. Wow, that's a weird stance to take. It's a weird stance to take, but it was a strange thing. Again, like you would never, ever see that happen in that community ever in a million years, even if she is the head of the community, even if she is the head of the temple, the synagogue. That just would not happen. And I know we're working in like a crazy fantasy world where a lot of things are happening. Yeah. But given that they like are kind of relatively consistent with religious stuff and given that like Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are pretty Jewish behind the scenes, <laughs> it was surprising to me that nobody called that out at some point. Yeah, but I think there just isn't enough time, man. You know, I mean, there is being accurate with stuff and then being like, okay, we we can't get into this right now. We've got to have all this other stuff happen in this episode. Yeah, I know. It just seemed lazy to me. I think they could have figured out some other way of doing it uh, because it just didn't seem real. The second part of it, though, is that it's revealed. The lady reveals they have the real Humperdue. Jesse brought... Humperdew there to stay with them, to hide there, and they have fallen in love with Humperdew. Yeah. This is the other thing that bothered me, which there is a concept of Messiah in the Jewish religion, but the fact that they're all like, yes, we love this Jesus figure, makes them Jews for Jesus, which is uncomfortable. All right, but first off, they're not saying that they think, you know, they're just saying they fell in love with him. That they were like, hey, man, this guy dances in a way that really touches us. And like, you know, maybe this is against our religion, but hey, we'll protect him. And like, you know, uh, I don't know. I thought it was kind of like the fact that he is such, you know, 
you know, whatever, and then can like dance his way into people's hearts. I think that's kind of fun. I totally fine with that part. I'm totally fine with him dancing his way into people's hearts, but that they framed him up as the Messiah again, makes me very uncomfortable. Okay. Uh, It's so there is a huge separation where the whole Jews for Jesus thing. If you look at the philosophy there, Frankly, they're not Jews. They're Christians or Catholics, and that's it. Like, once you start believing in Jesus, you've moved over to the other side of the fence. And that's, again, the part that bothered me is that being like, this Jesus figure is the Messiah versus we love him. No, he's amazing. Protect him. Mm -hmm. It, It doesn't quite work with the theology in terms of the religion, and it's nothing that would ever happen with an Orthodox community. So, again, I know I'm being very nitpicky here, but it was super weird to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because, you know, since I don't know that much, I didn't, none of that, I didn't know that they were so wrong. Totally. Uh, and listen, ultimately, like, what they're going for in this show is enjoyment and ridiculousness, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I don't know. Something about it just bothered me a little bit. It just sort of, like, uh, stuck How about the, the line where she's talking to Eli? I thought that was pretty funny. Where Eli's like, I don't think, I didn't know we had a Messiah. And I she's didn't, like, we, yeah. And what did she say? Oh, shut up, Eli. She was like, <laughs> we didn't tell you, Eli. Yeah. We purposely, like, didn't tell you. Wait, I, hang on. I definitely want to know more about Eli in that scene. Like, what's going on with him? What has he done? He seems like the dumb idiot in the... He's uh, the outcast, yeah. Exactly. So, oh, she goes, because we didn't tell you, Eli. Yes. Very funny yeah. stuff. Um. So, aside from that, then, uh, Tulip and Cassie, anyway, they take Comperdue, they fight their way through the Jews, Cassidy reveals his plan, which is that they're going to kill Humperdue and make God watch, which is pretty fucked up. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, like, it was crazy when he paused at the door. I was like, oh, God, what is going to happen? Like, what is he going to do, you know? Is he going to have another delicious chicken sandwich that just sprays blood everywhere? I what didn't is he going to do? He was going to start biting some people and be like, what do you believe in now? Or the fact he that was, he... Pete, he like, Pete, he would never do that. He only eats chickens, as you've clearly established earlier in the episode, not human well, beings, right? I thought, you know, maybe it was good there, but I was worried he would go off the deep end there. He was surrounded by a bunch of people. Anyway, so, like, he then tells this story in such a way that is just, like, you know, he... I don't... I think, like, he was like, you're all being duped. And I almost feel like that's so much more insulting than, like, trying to hit somebody or something, like, just trying... Insulting their belief. I mean, I was like, man, that is that is rough. Oh, totally. If you look at the two opposite ends of the spectrum, you have Jesse, who is in literal hell, has been tortured by God and is still on his side in a certain sense, mm-hmm. versus Tulip and Cassidy, who have to bury somebody who is very important to them in very different ways and very similar ways and have completely rejected God and religion at this point, wow. like in the most fundamental way. Uh 
so, so yeah, it was scary. And I think you were supposed to think that he was going to eat them. Um, luckily he did not, uh, unluckily for Hoover too, it turns out that he is an undercover cop trying to expose the growl, which again, very hilarious twist. Yeah, I loved him just calling up his chief and being like, I'm just a cop trying to do what's right. I'm just doing my job. Right. And then Featherstone just straight up kills him. Of course, she's completely loyal to the Grail and to her star uh, and then takes off her wig and reveals her perfectly quaffed hair right under it, which, again, Mm -hmm. very funny bit. Uh, Humperdue, we get a quick shot of Humperdue riding with Tulip and Cassidy, sticking his head out the window like a dog. Yeah, that was great time. that was very interesting that he went with them. I didn't, uh, I didn't expect I, that. I thought they were gonna pull a little hereditary, hereditary there and uh, cut his head off. Oh wow! I thought his head was gonna get knocked off or something like that. Like wow. after all that, they just accidentally kill Humperdue. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I just that would be insane. No, I, I was just surprised that in the whole. You know, when there was that big fight and they got separated, that he kind of like rose up and then stopped it and went with them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe there's a little more to Humperdue than we thought. Yeah. So then back at the projection, Fiore explains he is just a projection, but the offer is actually real, that they yeah. do really want Jesse to be the new god. Uh, and he shows Jesse the whole history of what actually happened that we've never seen before. He reveals that God found out that Genesis had escaped and God immediately rocketed straight through the roof. He left, got a motorcycle, started hooking up with different floozies, went to New Orleans, got totally wasted. Well, you know, you don't know if they're floozies. They're just people, you know, sure. hitchhiking people. Floozies are also people. Yeah, I say true. floozies as a term of endearment. Okay. All right. Yeah. Floozies are full of barbecue sauce if you bite into them. Did you know that? Don't, don't tell me with stuff like that. Uh, so I feel like though you're trying to avoid what happens next, Pete, uh, which yeah. is that he gets drunk in New Orleans and uh, he sees something in the window. Did you know what what's well, that thing? What was crazy is you think he's walking back to help the homeless person, you know, sitting right. there, and he but walks right past the homeless person and dreamily stares into a window and sees the dog suit, sexual dog suit. Oh. What did you think about that moment? Did that bring you back at all, Pete? I was like, man, that is weird. And then it was funny because Jesse immediately says, yeah. yeah. but did it like remind you of anything in your own experience? No. No, why? I, nothing about seeing a sexual dog suit in a window no. and knowing this is your destiny. That didn't remind you of anything in particular, Pete? No. But it does fit the whole theme of like him wanting to change uh, creation and start over again. That is interesting. It's also interesting that you're avoiding my question. Uh, there was no time when a young Pete LePage at 23 was wandering downtown no. in New York, saw at a window no. a sexual dog suit and hey, said... Hey, if people want to do that, that's good for them. You know, they have that right. I have never like you, done Pete that, LePage. but I, so I don't like why this bit is going on for so long. Listen... Hashtag Pete the Poodle. I'm just saying we have several episodes left. Great, yeah, get out know, of the way. Let's move on. We finally know the origin of the poodle suit. That must have been such a burden, such a light off of you, a weight off of you, Pete. Yeah. So they talk about his big plan, creation part three, and God is going to replace us unless, and he points to the throne. 
Yeah. So what do you think he's making at this point? We've certainly been speculating about the weird animal noise that's been going on in God's workshop for a while. But and we had dinosaurs. We had also, man. every time someone looks at it, they have a weird look of disgust on their face whenever somebody like lifts up and looks at what's in the cage. I think it's going to be kind of gross. It certainly seems to have wings and claws and stuff. Yeah. But that's also maybe not the finished product, so I don't know. Yeah. I'm excited about this. I like this twist here. I think this is a fun way of going. Uh, and I could almost see a world where God wins at the end and all of yeah. humanity is destroyed and he does bring about Creation 3. Could you see that, Pete? Yeah. It would be crazy if it happened for sure. And uh, I'll be interested to see what are we going to get a claymation version of what it's going to be? Is it, you know, because they play with the media a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how they do it. Yep. Very excited. Uh, fun place to leave the episode. Fun place yeah. to leave Preacher with just a couple of episodes to go. If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night. At 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on down. We'll chat with you about Preacher. Pete, what do you want to plug? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on the live show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live or at Men Preacher for Preacher-specific content. You can subscribe on iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice. And we'll see you next time after church. Church.